Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us on our game day show in just a few minutes will be Michigan and NFL great John Jansen. He also hosts the pregame tailgate show, provides halftime analysis, and the postgame show on the Michigan Football Network. On Thursday's Visitors Edition, we will welcome back the legendary voice of Maryland football, Johnny Holiday. Johnny has been the voice of Maryland football for over 40 years now and is one of the really good guys in the business. So make sure you check us out on Thursday for that. Before we hear from John, let's start as always with my view from Section 17. From Game 1, ESPN and BTN analysts have been saying Michigan does not have an identity on offense. I didn't really agree with that observation because it's hard to put much stock in what people who watch two-minute clips of your games think about the direction of your offense. It was never that we didn't have an identity, it was just that it was under construction. Sure, Wilton's injury slowed things down, but finally we are seeing it come together. The offensive line has been getting better and better each of the last four weeks. Yes, pass protection is still an issue, and it does need to be worked on. But we are pounding the ball with counters and good old gap-block power runs. We have a stable of backs that are capable, and one of them, Karan Higdon, always one of my favorites, is having a great season. We have an identity now. We are a power run team that comes right after you. We almost had two backs hit the 200-yard mark on Saturday, which has never happened in the history of this great program. I thought Brandon looked just fine and did exactly what we needed him to do. I saw improvement, and three weeks ago, I wondered if that was possible. Slowly but surely, and just at the right time of the season, the offense is coming together, and we know the defense is already there. It was a very good win, and I'm starting to believe we have a much better chance up in Madison next week and at home against the Buckeyes, of competing with and beating either of those teams. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We have a business trip to deal with this Saturday. John Jansen has said all along this offensive line would be good, but when that would happen, he wasn't sure. He likes what he sees right now, and expects us to be able to run the ball this week down in College Park. He also hopes to see Brandon air it out a bit and go downfield. Michigan and NFL great John Jansen is up next on our game day show here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network 
and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us on our game day segment this week is Michigan and NFL great John Jansen, who also hosts the uh, Tailgate Show halftime postgame analysis on the Michigan Football Network. Great to have you back with us, John. Mike, it's great to be here, and uh, I'm I'm excited that uh, our season is uh, is looking looking better. And uh, I'm disappointed we've only got three weeks left. Oh, I know. Well, we're we're peaking at the right time, hopefully. Much to like about that 33 to 10 win over Minnesota on Saturday night, John. But what gave me the most pleasure, and I know it's giving you pleasure, is watching that offensive line blocking. It looks like those guys have turned the corner as a unit, John. It it really does, and uh, you know they're playing a lot better, and and I think. There's a couple of things that, that, that are involved in, in why they're playing better. And, and, and I think the most important is that it's, you know, they've had nine games now. They're, they're, they're used to being out there. They've seen just about everything that they're going to see. So they, there's some things that you just have to experience at game speed. And you, 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 coaches can tell them. They can show them on film. They can show them on the chalkboard. But when it comes down to it, you've got to learn them at game speed. And, um, and they've seen that, and they're learning those lessons. And there were some hard lessons learned early, but um, they're improving. And, and I also think the, another reason is that they've, they've somewhat simplified what they're doing up front. And uh, Dan and I talked about this after the game in terms of the power run game. They're going to that counter attack, and it really simplifies things up front for the offensive line because it's all gap blocking. You get double teams at the point of attack, um, and and basically guys get a chance. They everybody if, if they're going to run that counter to the right, everybody on the right state side takes a gap step with their left, and whatever shows in front of them, they just blow it up. And then Ben Bredesen comes around and cleans up, and and then we get Karan Higdon. Uh, or Chris Evans or Ty Isaac or anybody that's back there. And, and it's been great to see Kareem Walker in the mix. I know we didn't see him last week, but, um, you know, we've got a lot of guys that can run that counterattack. And um, I think that's, that's been a huge factor in the success and the, and the growth of confidence of our offensive line. Well, freshman Cesar Ruiz filled in for Michael and Wayno at right guard, making his first collegiate start. And I kept an eye on him. And other than, you know, the the one sack that he gave up, uh, he was really solid, I thought, in his first start, John. Yeah, he was. And, uh, and again, it was he did a great job pulling um, on the counters. He did a great job blocking at the point of attack. And, and the one that where he gave up the sack, again, that is, uh, that's a young mistake. Um, it's very correctable. So it's not like he got beat one-on-one. All, all that happened was the defensive line, he had a three technique over top of him, and there was a guy on the tackle. And, when his three technique looped out, he assumed, which we 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 know what assume means, um, and it did it to him that his tackle was going to pick him up, and that's what it looked like. But he, you know, the tackle was already engaged with somebody outside. He came back in to to help Patrick Kugler, which, if that three technique was picked up, is exactly what he should have done. But he took his eyes off that three technique, and when he did. 
that guy made a beeline for uh, for the quarterback and and put a big hit on. And um, again, it's it, it 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 was a very dramatic hit. Um, it took Brandon Peters a little bit to get up. Um, so I, I'm I'm guessing that that lesson, uh, while learned the hard way, was learned and and was learned extremely well on Sunday film session. The right side is where we've seen the struggles, though. But now it looks like uh, Michael Unwayno getting better every week, as is uh, Juwan Bushel Beatty. Patrick Kugler, I think, has been really solid all year. And I know the fans get frustrated hearing this, but as we've talked about before, if there's one unit on the field that needs time and patience to develop as an entire unit, it is those guys up front, John, and we're seeing it, though. Well, we are. And, and what, what, what has happened is Patrick Kugler's a fifth-year guy. He's had some reps here and there, so he's had some experience, and he's gone in there and played well. Ben Bredesen, Mason Cole both played a lot. Mason Cole, obviously, the, the leader of that group. Um, so they've been solid um, and it have improved as well all year long. And it's really been the right side because when they started off, you know, Michael and Wayne had didn't have any starts um, and only a few reps at guard, which I think last year was at Rutgers. Um, you know, John Runyon Jr. has played in there a little bit. Again, a guy that has had, you know, zero experience um, and no reps until this year. Um, you know, we, we had Ulysio at right tackle, Jawan Bushel Beatty. We've had a number of guys, and um, they've just they've they've been learning under fire. Um, they're they are getting better, and they're still, uh, you know, while we did rush for a lot of yards, we still got our quarterback hit too many times, um, and so there's a lot of room still to improve. And um, what I would really like to see out of these guys is to continue the growth that they've had in the run game. That is something that will help them in every facet of the offense. And it allows our offense to do so much more. But the growth that I want to see is, is continued growth in the pass protection. And if you can run block like they have been, it, it, what it allows you to do is it allows you to be more aggressive in pass protection. Instead of sitting back all the time and, and you know, being third and long or second and long and um, you know, defensive ends and defensive linemen get to pin their ears back, they know – that is a, a passing situation. Now, if you're in third and five or third and two, you can come off the ball just like you were run blocking, even if it's a pass. And those guys up front, in terms of the defensive line, have absolutely no idea what you're doing. But now you've got the, the, the deception on your side. You've got the snap count on your side. You've got aggression on your side. And it's always better up front in any situation if you're the aggressor. And, and I think those guys are learning that, and, and it's going to help out a lot in, in pass protection. Well, John, we almost got to see two Michigan running backs hit the 200-yard rushing mark, which has never happened before. Karan Higdon continues to impress, and I hope we're seeing Chris Evans take a, a step forward. At any rate, they aren't big backs, but they are a heck of a one-two punch, aren't they, John? They are, and Karan Higdon... Uh, you know, coming into the year, we thought Chris Evans was going to be the guy, and, and he had a, a little bit of an issue with ball security early on and um, didn't really get to the form until the last couple of weeks that we saw from him last year. And I still think he's a tremendous running back. Um, but the one-two punch that, that Higdon provides, uh, you know, with, with running angry and running physical and being able to run some guys over and get some yards after contact, and then you kind of – counter that with Chris Evans and his elusiveness, his ability to make guys miss, especially in open field. We saw that in, in two of his long runs that he had on, on Saturday. So it is a, a great one-two punch. And the nice thing about it is those guys are still both young. So they're going to continue to get better. 
they're going to continue to to have both weapons in the backfield, um, you know, for the years to come. Kareem Walker, uh, we're, we're seeing more and more of I think he had his little ankle ding uh, that kept him out on Saturday. Ty Isaac, I'd like to see him get back because he really had something with that big 230-pound body and has been running so well this year. Do you know, John, is it whatever's uh, wrong with him, is that going to be a lingering injury? I don't think so. I think it's something that just needs a little bit of time to, to heal and uh, it's more of a bruise situation than anything. And um, and that's really up to, to his body and, and the treatment that he's getting. And, and I, I think that he'll be back sooner than later. Um, and so if we can add him into the mix, uh, because he was having a very good year and, and he's a physical back. And when you've got a guy that runs as physical as he does, you know, they're going to get dinged up every once in a while. So, uh, but when he gets back, it, it'll be nice to have three and, and four guys in the backfield that, that you can switch it up with different styles and different attacks. Well, Brandon Peters made his first start and was throwing the ball, I thought, fine. He was 8 for 13. We didn't ask him to do much. He didn't turn it over, which was big. And I guess the bottom line was he did what he was asked, managed the game very well, looked very cool, calm, and collected back there. Yeah, and that's all you want from a young guy is, is a guy that goes out there and, and you don't, you're not asking him to win a game. Um, you're just asking him to go out there and distribute the football and – Quite honestly, you know, in terms of the percentage of plays that we had, he actually did throw the ball quite a bit. I mean, he only had 13 passes, but we only had 50 plays. And so when, when you think about that, it's, it's, it's not often that you go through a game, especially in today's day and age, where you only have 50 offensive plays. Um, but when you have a 77-yard run, you've got a 67-yard run, it obviously, you know, you don't need as many plays. So, and, and, and both styles of offense ate the clock up. Uh, you know, I think it was uh, uh, the opposition there. Minnesota only had 56 plays. So it wasn't like there was a whole lot of offensive firepower. But I, the one thing that I really enjoyed and I thought was great about Brandon Peters was in the opening drive, he was three for three in, in terms of throwing the football. And that, one, it gives him the confidence that he can go out there and distribute the football. It gives the offense the confidence in, that you need in a quarterback. Um, I thought Jim did a great job of calling the game. Uh, but it also, I, I, you can attribute the yardage on the ground to the fact that it, it made Minnesota honor the passing attack. And we haven't had that all year. We haven't had it where um, you know, uh, a defense has to drop an extra guy in pass coverage because, you know, you've got three or four receivers that are out there and any one of them could get open and your quarterback has the ability to hit them all. So we were able to draw that extra guy out of the box, which opened up the rushing attack and the rushing lanes. And, and I think moving forward, when we look at Maryland, you know, and, and we're, and we're going to have DJ Durkin, who's a you know, former defensive coordinator here and a defensive-minded guy, you're going to see some, some new blitzes. You're going to see a lot of different attacks, but he's going to be of the mindset, do I commit an extra guy to the run because they had you know, 350-plus yards on the ground, or do I try and keep that extra guy back there because now they have a guy that can distribute the football? So it'll be interesting to see how he plays it defensively this coming week. Well, John, for the first five or six weeks, I would hear analysts on ESPN and BTN say over and over, Michigan doesn't seem to have an identity on offense. And I don't think they can say that now, John. In the last few weeks, we're starting to see take shape exactly what Jim Harbaugh wants to do, aren't we? Well, we are. And, uh, and, but what I would caution your listeners and, and all Michigan fans, that it was Rutgers and it was Minnesota. 
and it's going to be Maryland this week. I expect us to, to look very much the same. Now the test is going to be how much confidence have they grown over this three-week period so that when we go to Madison, where the environment is going to be a, a lot more electric, it's going to be a, much more like they saw at Penn State, what type of team have we become in the last three weeks, including this week here, that we're going to see something different against, uh, against Wisconsin than we saw against Penn State? And I think that there's nothing that tells me that, that we shouldn't continue to have that confidence. It's going to be how they handle the environment, how they handle game week preparation, and in their minds, what are they thinking about? Are they thinking if something goes bad, oh, no, this is just like Penn State, or are they thinking, hey, we did this the last three weeks. This is all we have to do. Here's the correction I'm going to make. And they can do that on the field. And that's where you see extreme growth in, in an offensive line and as an offensive unit. With us on our game day segment this week is Michigan and NFL great John Jansen. John, I'm running out of good things to say about the defense. I mean, other than Penn State, they are just amazing. And But what a performance from Kalikia Hudson on Saturday. That was a Superman performance. It was. And, and he, you could tell that he had done an extreme job of watching film, paying attention in the meeting room, doing great preparation on the practice field, so that when he got there against Minnesota, the game to him had to have seemed like, like everybody else was walking around and he was at full speed. And that's what it seemed to me. Um, when you end up with 13 tackles, 11 solo tackles, two sacks, a six and a half tackles for loss, one forced fumble. I mean, you go down that list and that's a guy that dominated the game. You know, I think Minnesota started that last drive. They uh, When they started that last drive, I should say they had 114 yards total offense. So that pushed them up a little, that last drive. And I know their offense struggles, but, you know, week after week, other than Penn State, this defense is just relentless, John. I mean, through nine games now, you, what else can you say about these guys? Well, and, and the only thing that I would say about these guys is, and, and I don't even talk about that last drive because the game was over um, there was nothing that Minnesota could do to get back in the game or, or to try and win that game. Um, so we had a lot of young guys in there playing, getting experience, which I think is tremendous. And there's a lot of lessons that they're going to learn from that one single drive that will pay off throughout this year and in next year. But the second drive of the game is where I was disappointed. They let up, oh, I think it was a 10 play 75 yard drive. And I just, that, that's just something that I'm keeping an eye on because against Penn state, uh, obviously, they gave up a couple of big plays. Um, and then against Rutgers, it was the same thing. They gave, gave up some big plays. And the, on the one drive, they just weren't very good against Minnesota on third down. They allowed Minnesota to com- convert some, some third and eight and some third and tens. And that hasn't been a trait of this Michigan defense. They've been extremely good on third down. So when we play Maryland this week, I'm going to be watching how, you know, what are they doing on first and second to get to third down? And then when they are in third down, they can't allow a running back to, to squeeze free or a tight end to make a good catch or uh, a quarterback to scramble and pick up a first down um, to sustain those drives. And, you know, while it was only one drive, um, we're accustomed to Michigan not allowing any of those. So going into that last drive, that Michigan had, they had what, 113 yards of offense and 75 of that came in the second drive of the game. So 95% of the game, they were dominant. And when they play Wisconsin, we need to be 100% of the game 
dominant. Well, Saturday night, Josh uh, Metellus was thrown out of the game after that scrum with big number 76 for Minnesota. Now, that happened right in front of where I was sitting, and I still can't figure out why he got the boot. Have you heard any kind of an explanation as to why he was kicked out? Um, I haven't, but the only thing that I can that I can say is when the flags are thrown, which they were immediately thrown because 76 hauled off and, and hit one of our guys, I mean, just threw a, a, a savage punch. At that point, all you do is point at the guy because everybody in the world knows what the penalty is going to be. You have to have control. Metellus came from the pile, and we all know in a fight, you know, if you're out in the street and somebody throws a punch on your, on your guy, you're going to get in the mix because that's what you do. You've got your guys back. But in a football game, you have to have emotional control at all times. And he lost it for a few minutes because he came in from – outside of where that fight started. And I, at, that's what I think got him in trouble was the fact that he came from 10 yards away, got in the mix, and he didn't throw I – didn't, I didn't see him throw a punch, but we can't know what he was saying. And the officials are the only ones that know that. The guys on the field were the only ones that know that. And it could have been something that, um, that was not to the level of class that we expect from Michigan football players. It's a lesson he'll learn. I'm sure Jim Harbaugh has talked to him about it. I'm sure Don Brown has talked to him about it. You have to control yourself. You have to control your emotions because you let the other guys lose their cool. When you're beating somebody so bad and you're controlling every aspect of them as men, as a football team, you allow your pads to do all of the talking. And when the whistle blows, hey, I'm done, and I'm going to kick your butt on the next play. I'm not clear on the rule either. When he got kicked out, it was the second half. Does that mean he has to sit out the first half this week, or is he out for the entire game? I think he's only out for the first half. And, and, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not real clear on that rule as well. Um, I know for targeting, um, it is you know the half that you're suspended in or that you're kicked out of plus the next half. But in terms of a uh, you know getting kicked out for fighting, I'm, I'm not – 100% sure, but I think he's only out for the first half. Okay. Well, Quinn Nordeen missed another point after, and he missed a 49-yard field goal. Not by much on, on the field goal. It was close. Do you think it's mental with him right now? Is there really something maybe in his mechanics that needs to be fixed? No, I think for him, it's all mental. Um, and for and for all kickers, it's it's they play such a mental game. And, and the challenge for them, um, and, and I've, I've trust me, I've made fun of kickers my whole life. And, and, but they're a necessary evil. And the, the extreme challenge for those guys is that they have to be on the sidelines. They're not in the game for 20, 30, 40 minutes at a time. And then all of a sudden, boom, the coach says, Hey, you're in, go win the game for us or go kick this, this, this field goal. And they have to be so mentally tough to be ready at any given moment um, and, and I think for him, it's just a matter of calming down, get, relying on his mechanics. His mechanics are great. The reason he's a great kicker um, and all of the great kickers that, that have played either at Michigan or in the NFL, they are, they are very mechanically sound. Quinn Nordine is mechanically sound. So when it comes down to it, it's just a matter of calm down, go out there and be the great kicker you are, and don't worry about anything that's happened in the past. Well, this Saturday, it's a trip to College Park, a matchup with DJ Durkin's Terrapins 
Have you ever seen a team go through this many quarterbacks in a season, John? It's ridiculous that they're down to, you know, third and, and sometimes even fourth quarterback. And, you know, Maryland right now, and DJ Durkin's done a good job of recruiting, but they're not at a program that's at the level to go three or four quarterbacks deep. And so their level of play at that position is extremely limited right now. Um, and they're, you know, those kids are trying hard, but when you are faced with, you know, a young quarterback that, uh, or even a second or third year guy that has had absolutely no reps, he's not, uh, you know, he's not a four or five star guy, so he doesn't have the great arm or, you know, there's a lot of things that, that go into making a good quarterback. Um, and, and they not only at the quarterback position, but they've been ravaged everywhere with injuries. DJ Durkin, they opened up the season with that big win against Texas. Uh, that was a huge win for the football program, and it still is. But they haven't been able to capitalize on the momentum that that created simply because, you know, they've just been so beat up in terms of people that are actually available to play on Saturdays. Well, despite the injuries and the quarterback issues, the Terps are averaging just about 31 points a game, which is amazing to me with, with everything they've gone through. Still, it's hard for me to imagine a team with their third-string quarterback, maybe even their fourth-string quarterback, having a lot of success against us Saturday. Well, and, and what's going to limit their offense is because they are so far down the list in their quarterback, protection becomes an absolute premium for them. And especially against the front four and the front seven of Michigan. So when you, all of a sudden, you take a running back, and we've seen this throughout our football season when protection has been an issue. You take a running back and you have to, you have to keep him in to pass protect, or you've got a tight end or a wing or two tight ends. Now all of a sudden, your quarterback, he may be, he may be safe in the pocket, but he's got limited opportunities to throw the football because you've only got two receivers out and four defenders defended them. And it's just, you know, it's kind of a snowball effect. And, and, and my hat's off to, to DJ Durkin and his offensive coordinator for still being a very productive offense. But against Michigan, it becomes very tough just because Michigan is so good everywhere on defense. I was chatting with Maryland's radio play-by-play guy, Johnny Holiday this morning, and he said Max uh, Bortenschlager suffered a head injury late in the game. And he said, so they're going through concussion protocol. So as hard as it is to believe, we could see their fourth string guy, Ryan Brand, get the start on Saturday. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just, you know, the hits just keep on coming for the Terrapin program. And the one thing I will say, and, and what I'm extremely proud of, of, of almost every team in the Big Ten, is there is no lack of fight, no lack of drive, no lack of preparation. These guys, these kids, and that's one of the beautiful things about playing Big Ten football, is you have a high-quality individual, not just talent, but a high-quality individual um, and, and they're very resilient. They're working hard. They, they understand their backs against the wall, and they still come out fighting. Um, so I'm extremely proud of, of DJ's program. Well, Maryland is not a good defensive team. Despite forcing 10 turnovers this year, they have eight picks. They are giving up just chunks of yardage every week. So this is a defense that we should run on. And Brandon Peters should find people open. Maybe just what the doctor ordered for a young quarterback making his second start first on the road, John. Yeah, and, and what I really want to see from Brandon Peters this week in, in terms of his next step progression is, he again, the first drive, I'd love to see them come out and, hey, a seven-yard completion over here and, a, and maybe a 10-yard completion over here, a little screen to a running back or like that tight end screen that we saw that scored for, for uh, McCune. Uh, th- that was 
that was awesome. It was like clockwork moving down the, the field. What I want to see at some point, especially if we start running the football effectively, is some play action passes and take some strikes deep. I want to see Brandon Peters sit in the pocket and wait for a receiver to get 20, 30 yards downfield, deliver the, the football. I want to see, um, because I, I, and I've seen it in practice. I, I saw it in the spring game. He's got a very live arm. He's got a quick release. He throws a very good football. Now it comes down to execution and accuracy. Can he put it on Donovan Peoples-Jones streaking down the middle of the field? We saw Donovan Peoples-Jones get behind the, the secondary against Indiana early in the game, and the ball was just out of his reach. If we can get some of those connections, now all of a sudden you've got big play ability on the ground, you've got big play ability through the air, and then you become a, an extremely potent, dynamic, and hard-to-defend offense. Well, a couple of closing questions for you, John. Uh, various media outlets were reporting over the weekend that Wilton Spate could start practicing this week. I don't think we've seen, heard anything official uh, from Coach Harbaugh and the staff. It was even mentioned he could make the trip to Maryland. Uh, his dad pretty much said the same thing in an interview about a week or so ago. Have you heard much about that? Um, I haven't. They're, they're pretty tight-lipped around the building, um, and, and and I'm not going to be the one that, that breaks any news, uh, whether <laughs> he's there or not or available or not, because uh, I have good access and I want to keep that access. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, you know, and, and Jim Harbaugh is, is as good at, as anybody at, you know, a little shuck and jive with the media as to who's available, who's not. For Wilton Spate, I really hope that he heals well. He is is available to play. And then, you know, we have a great opportunity to have a couple of guys with experience that can go out there and win football games. And it puts Michigan and our offense and the competition at the quarterback position um, at any position is what drives guys to improve, to be better. And, and I want to see that happen, and, and it will. And I don't know if it's going to be this week, if it's going to be next week, what Jim will do when Wilton's 100%. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's a nice problem to have. That it is. Well, looking back just over a couple of things that happened this past weekend, you played at Kinnick Stadium uh, against some very good Iowa teams. That is one tough road game. Everyone in the Big Ten knows that. But were you shocked about the demolition job they did on Ohio State Saturday? Um, yes and no. I was I was surprised that they they scored so many points. I mean, it was thirty they had thirty one points at halftime, mm-hmm. um, and you know to end up the game with I think it was the final score, the final tally for Iowa was fifty five points. I thought that was just unbelievable. But then you look at how they played that game. And when you go to Kinnick Stadium, first of all, it's a hard place to play. It's a hard place to travel to. Um, but when, when guys are making one-handed grabs and it becomes contagious, uh, it, it, when a team really gets that feeling of we can do anything and, and it's going to be successful, that's how Iowa was playing after the first drive. You get a one-handed grab by a defender and an interception – and now all of a sudden that, that translates to, to anybody throughout the team making plays and, and taking chances and, and them coming through. And um, I, it was just an unbelievable job by, uh, by that Iowa Hawkeye team. And, um, but it also showed some weaknesses that, in, that, that Ohio has had. Um, we saw some weakness early on in the season against Indiana, um, against obviously Oklahoma, and what JT Barrett can and can't do. So I was, ex- I was excited as a Wolverine 
to see some chinks in the armor and some different ways that we might be able to attack them when they try and come to the big house. Penn State losing to the Spartans. I know it's been a tough three-game stretch uh, for Penn State, probably mentally more than physically. Well, probably both, I'm sure. But did they just run out of gas, or is maybe Michigan State that good right now? I don't I don't think Michigan State as a, um, as a talent is that good. I think that Mark D'Antonio is that good. And I've said this for years. When, when Mark D'Antonio, and you can go back to when they were winning, you know, they won the first Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis against a very good Ohio State Urban Meyer coached football team. Nobody thought they had a shot to win that game. Uh, and they go in there and win. And it, that was kind of the first eyebrow-raising moment where you look at it and you go, this Michigan State team isn't, isn't that talented. But they play very well under Mark D'Antonio, and it's the same thing now. They are not that talented. They turn the ball over. They make mistakes. But Lewerke was able to do enough to put some points on the board. That defense, which Michigan State has always been a defensive-minded program. Um, and when you look at what Penn State had to do over the last three weeks, they had to play Michigan, they had to play Ohio State, and then they had to play Michigan State. And, you know, two of those games were on the road. You play three of the most physical programs in college football, and it, it's awfully hard to come out with three wins. And, and unfortunately for Penn State, they came out with two losses. And as it stands now, Wisconsin is the only Big Ten team with, uh, you know, a chance to make it to the playoffs. What's happening uh, with the rest of the conference probably doesn't help them, but it's a, going to be a long shot for them to get in, isn't it? Yes and no. I think if, if they run the table um, and, and they're undefeated coming out of the West and they win the Big Ten championship game, I 100% believe that they will be in the college football playoffs. Um, I think that at some point, Notre Dame, who is at number three right now, I don't know, you know, the polls will come out on Tuesday night. Um, but, um, I think my, you know, they're playing Miami this week in Miami, which is a very tough place to play. Um, and I think that Notre Dame is going to slip up at some point, uh, Georgia and Alabama will probably run the table in the regular season. Um, Georgia is going to play Auburn this week, which will be a big test for them. Um, and they're going to have to play each other in the SEC championship game. If that is a tight game, I think that both those teams will be in the college football playoffs. If either one of them blows the other team out, I would find it very difficult for the playoff committee to leave out an undefeated Big Ten champ and allow a, a, a one-loss team in ahead of them. Well, it's going to be interesting to see not only how it plays out in the Big Ten, but nationally there are so many big games in the next few weeks and then the uh, the conference championship game, so it's going to be a great four-week stretch of college football. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, this is – we were all talking about how great the opening weekend was because we had football on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and, and you know, there was a – you know, basically an eight-month layoff where we didn't have college football, so it seemed great. But you get to this time of the year, and and you get matchups like Georgia and Auburn, and and you know, at the end of the year, you get Michigan and Ohio State, and uh, you know, the SEC championship games, all the championship games coming up on on uh, you know after Thanksgiving weekend, and it's just an uh, it's just a, such an exciting time to be a college football fan. One of my favorite times of the year. My guest this week on our game day segment has been Michigan and NFL great John Jansen. Uh, John, thanks as always for your time, and we look forward to our next visit. Sounds great. Talk to you anytime, Mike. Thanks, and go blue. 
Quick Hits is next as we wrap up our Maryland Game Day show here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits today, on the injury front, at his Monday presser, Jim said he hopes to have Michael Anueno, Grant Perry, Ty Isaac, and Tyrone Wheatley Jr. back for Maryland on Saturday. He said there is a very good chance all of them would be back, but they were still questionable. Jim also said Wilton Spate will begin light workouts this week and will start throwing. He has to be cleared by doctors, but there is a chance he will be available for the last two games. Wait and see. Chris Evans and Karan Higdon were named the Big Ten Co-Offensive Players of the Week for their huge performances on Saturday. Sophomore Kalik Hudson shared Defensive Player of the Week honors with Iowa defensive back Josh Jackson. Hudson was absolutely amazing against the Gophers, and I thought John Jansen nailed it when he said compared to Kalik Hudson, everyone else looked like they were in slow motion on Saturday. He went from sideline to sideline, blitzed, almost blocked a punt, and at super speed, one of the best linebacker performances I've ever witnessed in the big house. Thanks again to Michigan great John Jansen for being with us today. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, the great Johnny Holiday will be with us. He is one of the nicest guys in radio and is in his mid-80s and still going strong. The guy was a big-time disc jockey in the 50s and 60s, and Paul McCartney liked him so much, he asked him to MC the Beatles' last live performance. He's been calling Maryland football for almost 50 years now, and he likes what DJ Durkin is building in College Park. So make sure you join Radio Hall of Famer Johnny Holiday and I this Thursday for the Visitor's Edition. Don't forget our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or review us. Thanks in advance. That will do it for our Maryland Game Day edition of The Michigan Man. We'll see you back here on Thursday's Visitors Show with Maryland radio play-by-play legend Johnny Holiday. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until Thursday, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!